0: Are you did such a great job talking uh, during the children's moment about that Matthew parable? I'm going to jump over and I'm going to focus on the Micah reading today. Uh, The book of Micah is one of my favorite little books in the Old Testament. Micah being one of those prophets back in the day. He was active between 750 B.C. and 700 B.C. And Micah focused on proclaiming God's word to Judah, who at that time were being threatened by Assyria. Uh, Micah was the one who prophesied that Babylon, who at that time was under Assyrian rule, would be the ones to conquer Judah. And so the book of Micah goes through these cycles from beginning to end, and it always begins in doom, and then it moves towards hope. Micah always brings it back to God's faithfulness and unchanging commitment to his people. So there are four things that I want you to walk away with from this passage today. And I want you to repeat after me. Yes, I know we're live streaming this, but I still want you to go ahead and repeat after me. So much so that like if there's someone working in the kitchen or the room next door, I want you to startle them here. Okay, so here we go. Repeat after me. Protect. Miracles. Delight. Show us. Okay, hopefully you've ruffled some people's feathers out there in your homes, all right? So, now what I need you to know about these four things, the first three, God is taking care of. So, you're not doing the doing, you're doing the receiving. Yay, wonderful. And the last one, all you're doing is asking for something, and that's it. Now, The way Micah begins speaking in this passage is read as if he is asking for God to do something. But we need to remember, Micah is a prophet. So remember that the words he is saying are actually also prophecy. He is telling us what the Lord is going to do. He's letting the people know that God will do these four things for his people. So let's run through these four things for us. First one, remember, protect It says there in verse 14, O Lord, protect your people with your shepherd's staff. Lead your flock, your special possession. We profess that Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. And a good shepherd protects and leads his flock, right? So let's ask ourselves, are we trusting ourselves? Are we trusting our church to our shepherd? Are we looking for him to lead us in the direction that he is going, or are we too focused on where we're going, or where we want to be going, and are we getting lost from the flock? Remember that God has promised to protect us and to lead us to the fertile pastures, the good places, whether that's the kingdom revealed here on earth or the church triumphant with God in heaven. And we would be foolish to think that getting to those places would be just some walk in the park. God's people traverse through deserts, wilderness, banishment and exile. And today's time, pandemic, hurricanes galore, political division, social unrest and injustice. And I mean, we've got Black Friday 2020 just around the corner. There's some scary things going on. But God has promised that he will protect and lead us through all of this to the good and better places. Second thing, miracles. Verse 15. Yes, says the Lord, I will do mighty miracles for you. Like those that I did when I rescued you from slavery in Egypt. So God had to remind Israel of the miracles he did for them in the past. Parting of the Red Sea, water springing from a rock, manna out in the wilderness. And what encompassed all of those miracles is the miracle that God rescued his entire people from slavery. And then later on in the story, when Christ comes onto the scene and came to earth, he had the stories of his miracles as well. Water to wine, feeding the 5,000, walking on water, and finally dying and then rising up, And conquering death to once again rescue his people from being enslaved by sin and death. So, yes, awesome stories, awesome miracles, but God still does miracles for us today. But I hope that we're not only looking for the big flashy kind that make the news because we might be missing the subtle ones around us. A miracle. I've had to think about over time, isn't just something extraordinary that just benefits only me. It's defined as a surprising and this welcomed event that you can't explain and is therefore it's considered to be the work of the divine. Some small miracles that I've considered lately are getting to raise my children up in this church family. Or whenever I just look over and see that genuine smile on my daughter's face. Or just my son squeezing my hand and saying, Daddy, I love you. God gives us those small, but just as mighty miracles to remind us that he's rescued us from all of that self-centered, cruel, divisive, and destructive tactics of the enemy who would falsely lead us to believe that we are not loved by God and that we do not belong to God. No, the Lord continues to do mighty miracles for you. So what are they for you? Where are you looking? Third thing, delight. Now, sometimes we may fall into this dangerous trap of falsely thinking that God delights in showing us where we've done wrong, where we have failed, how imperfect or off the mark we are. But that is a lie that only Satan would delight in. The truth is that the Lord delights in showing Unfailing love. Verse 18 and 19 spell it out for us. Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the sea. God is saying, I find joy in loving you and in showing you that no matter what you do, I will still love you so much that I will separate and take away your sins, trample on them and throw them away where they will be destroyed and never seen again. And I will do it every time. That is unfailing love. And so we come to our fourth one, last one. Remember that this one, this is our action item here. We are to say to God, show us. Verse 20, you will show us your faithfulness and unfailing love as you promised to our ancestors, Abraham and Jacob long ago. What we need to do At every opportunity, before we even do anything, before we even go to God to ask for guidance or before we share our concerns or bring our mistakes before the Lord, we ask, show us your faithfulness and unfailing love. By doing this, this puts us in a ready position, ready to see, ready to react and engage with what God is doing whenever we ask. Because when you ask for something, you expect something to happen. The Lord acts first, and we get to respond. That's how God works in all of his creation. God does first, we get to respond. We get to see how he is protected and led us. We're primed and ready to see what mighty miracles God is doing for us. We get to see how God delights in showing that unfailing love. So i got to tell you all a story uh, about my first car accident. I was 16 years old, just barely had my license, a little over three months. My mom was out of town, my little brother was staying at a friend's house, and I was getting to stay with my best friend, whose house was literally just right behind our house. But why walk 20 feet when you can drive, Right. So it was Friday, after i finished up at school, I drove over to my friend's house to pick him up. He ran in, jumped in the car, but whenever we were backing out of the driveway, bam, I hit the neighbor's giant big red truck and just totally busted out my left taillight. We panicked. We looked out, saw that it didn't even do anything to the truck, and so we hopped in, drove off, right around the block back to my house. We were just kind of rattled still, so we didn't know what else to do. And I mean, we pulled into the drive. We were getting out. We were walking, about to walk into our house. And coming from the other direction, there's my friend's parents in their car. And they stop by and they say, hey, we're going to have dinner ready at 6. So, you know, come over in just a little bit. We'll see you then. David Lee, what happened to your car? Uh, uh, I, I don't know. It must have, must have been a hit and run or something. I don't know. Okay. Well, we'll see y'all here in a little bit. They drove off to their house. My friend and I go inside and we're just kind of like in a daze like, oh my goodness, this is horrible. And this is only getting worse. What in the world are we thinking? Well, less than 10 minutes later, his dad comes straight in through the door into the house, right up to me and says, what happened? And man, I just spilled the beans. God, I'm so sorry. I backed into hit the truck, drove off. I'm so sorry, and just like just spewed everything out right there. And he says, "Get in the car." And he saw kind of like the thinking process right then and there because I was saying, "You want me to get back in my car?" And he's, "No, you two boys get in my car. We're going to our house." So we both get in the back of his car, and as we're starting to drive off, I'm realizing something here. My best friend's dad works for the sheriff's department. I mean, he's been on crime scenes before. He sees a little bit of glass right beside his driveway, and he, he's pretty much solved this crime really quick. And then he's interrogated criminals before. And so whenever we get over to their house, into the room, he splits us into two separate rooms, goes in to interrogate me first. I mean, just like grills me with the questions. And then after that, he leaves, and you got to sit there in silence, knowing that he's interrogating your best friend, his son, right next door. And like, this is not how I saw this day going at all. And so that was just rough. So we, he brings us out. When we're done with that, we come out. And then guess what? He says, you need to call your mother. OK, as if this couldn't get any worse. All right, fine. So call mom on the phone and tell her everything that happened. She goes, OK, are you all right? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. It's just the car there. And she goes, OK, is Paul, my friend's dad, is Paul handling it? Yes, he's he's got it. Well, okay, sounds good. Have a good weekend. Love you. Bye. And that was it. I feel like I kind of dodged the bullet on that one there. And then I hand the phone back to my friend's dad, and he says, Young man, you are grounded. And then he looks in my eyes again, and he sees the brain process going, and he sees the question I'm formulating Am I supposed to go home to my house and be grounded, or am I supposed to be grounded here? And he just says, You are grounded here. Oh, man! So everything that my friend and I had planned for this whole weekend, we were going to go out with some other friends, catch a movie, you know, go drive around. We had plans. we had this great weekend that we thought we were going to get to enjoy with one another. All those plans were ruined. My car ruined a little bit as well, and my best friend's parents must hate me, but you know the rest of the weekend actually actually turned out to be a pretty good one uh, later that evening. Paul was there with me when I had to talk to the police to file the report there. And the neighbor came out of his house and he actually apologized to me for what his truck had done to my car. Uh, and I ended up spending the rest of that time hanging out with my best friend's family, whom to this day I still love dearly. We, uh, Paul went out and rented some movies that night. And we had dinner and popcorn and movie nights. We played family games. Turned out to be a pretty good weekend after all. But at the end of the weekend, Paul asked me before I left the house, asked me how I was doing, and I just was honest with him, and I said, you know, I thought after this stunt that I pulled, I thought you'd hate me. And Paul grabbed me by the shoulders. I remember him turning and looking in my eyes, and he said, no, you are a part of this family, and I need you to trust that my actions will show you that I love you. It took that moment. After knowing this man and this family for years for me to finally realize that this family loved and accepted me no no matter what stunts I pulled. And Paul became one of those pillars of my faith, still is to this day. He set a great example of protecting and leading me by showing me what small but mighty miracles can look like, and I could see the delight on his face when his actions were done out of love. He showed me what unfailing love could look like, And that gave me a glimpse of who God is. There's one more thing I want you to realize that comes from these four things for us. Yes, we are blessed and reminded that we belong to God and God loves us. And by recognizing that in our own lives, it becomes evident to the lives of others. So let our lives be the testimony to God's unfailing love. In verse 16, let the nations of the world stand amazed at what the Lord will do for you. Amen.